good morning and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, would you go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 2? This is your first time with us or you don't have a copy of God's Word, that is completely okay, but we want to give you one. And so we've got some out in our Welcome Center that uh, we would invite you to take. That is a gift from us to you. And so if you get up right now and go get one, that is completely fine. If you get one on the way out, then that is completely fine as well. We long for each and every one uh, here this morning to have a copy of God's Word. Well, my name is Brandon, and uh, it's a joy, it really is a joy to stand in front of you this morning to open up God's Word. Typically, I'm standing here with guitar in hand singing, but thankful for uh, Cody and Emma as they led us this morning uh, to worship our great God. A couple of questions for you this morning. I want a show of hands. How many of you are done with Christmas shopping? Real talk. Come on. How many of you are me mugging right now, the people raising their hand? Oh, wow. Good for y'all. How many of you have ever re-gifted a gift at Christmas? Show of hands. Ah, I see you. How many of you have ever re-gifted a gift the same Christmas season? Okay. Some truth tellers in here. Good. Um, How many of you are super excited about a gift that you're going to give to someone this year? Okay. Very good. How many of you are fearful about seeing friends or family over Christmas, anyone? Yeah, a couple of you. A couple of your friends and family are in this room, and so that's why you're kind of like, ah, shucks, do I raise my hand or do I not? Well, as we just saw in the video, the holidays can be filled with fear. Every season can if we're, if we're super honest. They can be filled with stress and anxiety, uh, but that's not God's design for us. It's not his desire. It's not his desire at Christmas, and it's not his desire really in any season. And so... As we saw last week, we're going to see this morning, uh, this Christmas season, we're going to look at four different times where people in the scriptures, in the the account of the birth of Christ, are told to fear not. They're told to not be afraid. That's where we find ourselves this morning. This morning, we're going to see an angel of the Lord shows up to a group of shepherds who are expecting anything but an angel to show up. And say these words to them, fear not. So let's listen for those words this morning as we open the word of God together. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Hear the word. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, or look, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude more of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, what a gift it is to hold your word, to hear your word this morning, to be gathered with your people this morning. As we stare at this story, this very familiar story, as we do so this morning, I pray that we too, as we just saw in that passage, would be filled with wonder, that we would be filled with surprise that, Father, you sent heaven's best to this earth. And as we see this story, would we be able to see Jesus more clearly and more beautifully this morning? cause our hearts to worship you and to make this message known. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we live in a world of fear and anxiety. We do. I want you to consider with me for a minute the, the last year. What, what news stories have you heard that have been used to feed your fear? This week I was scrolling through a popular news, news site and Literally, I say scrolling, I clicked and didn't even have to scroll. Here are the top headlines I read. Man linked to murder at Paris Airport. Crime surges at Christmas. What you need to purchase before you can't anymore. Mass firing over Zoom is your job in danger. We know that the news doesn't create our fears, but, but it does feed them, right? E even before the news existed, people had fears, right? We battle fears every single day, fear of rejection, fears of loneliness, fear of failure, fear of losing, fear of spiders, fear of heights, fear to admit that the best Christmas movie out there is Die Hard. That's right. We, we long for peace, but if we're honest, often the, the only times we feel peace are when we feel like we're in control. And any time your peace is based on you feeling like you're in control, you quickly realize just how short-lived that peace really is. You see, the news is right about one thing. We are not in control, and bad things can and do happen. But the problem with the news isn't that it exposes the brokenness of the world we live in. The problem with the news is that it doesn't offer a solution. You see, our culture is great, great at pointing out broken things, but inadequate at bringing up solutions that can fix them. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Do we just bury our heads in the sand? Do we just become more immersed in our phones and on social media? Do we just watch enough Hallmark Christmas movies to distract ourselves? Do we just pretend like suffering and death don't really exist? Where do we find peace in a world full of fear? 
a world full of racism and terror and poverty. But what do we do with the fears that we're, we're too afraid to even talk about, the, the fears that are inside us like guilt or rejection or failure? Again, as we're going to see this morning and in this series, we're going to answer some of these questions. And here's what we're going to see, that God's answer to everything we ever feared is a child. That it's a child. You see, Luke 2 is a shocking story. It's a shocking story. But if we're honest, as I read that just a few minutes ago, it's not that shocking to us because we've heard it so many times. Right? We, as I was reading it, probably some of you were hearing Linus in the background reading this story. Right? We, we hear it so many times. We read it on Christmas Eve. We watch Charlie Brown. We've heard it so many times. But my prayer is the same that it was just a few minutes ago for us this morning as we receive God's word, that it would come alive to us, that it would fill us with surprise and wonder as we hear this story this morning. And so have two points that I want us to see this morning. The first one is this, fear not, for there is good news for all people. Fear not, for there is good news for all people. In our text, we see that an angel comes to the shepherds, and the shepherds are what? They're terrified, right? They're scared, they're afraid. Verse 9 says they were filled with great fear. I think every time an angel shows up in Scripture, people are, they have this response, right? They're, they're filled with fear. I mean, just imagine out in a field, heaven cracks open. Like, you have a little bit of a reason to be scared, right? It's like when you're in school and you hear your name over the intercom. Please send Brandon Webby to the principal's office, right? It's, it, it's reason to be afraid, right? And if you're used to thinking about these angels as sort of the, the chunky babies that we see in the commercials or in our manger scenes, then, then, then we're missing a bit. These angels were, they were warriors. The angel shows up and says, fear not. Did you know that fear not is mentioned over 365 times in the scripture? Fear not, be not afraid, be anxious for nothing, be of good courage. And I love, my heart was drawn to just worship the Lord a bit more this week because I love the Lord's kindness to show up to his people and to say that, knowing that we're prone to wonder, that we are prone to fear. The fear cripplizes, that it cripplizes, that it paralyzes us and it, and it cripples us. But you see, these shepherds, as they're filled with fear, they're not just filled with with great fear because they're not expecting to see an angel, though certainly that's part of it. They're, they're terrified because they're surrounded by what? The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And the reason for this is because the glory of God highlights just how far you and I have come short of who we were made to be. It shows the brokenness in the relationship, that the relationship has been fractured. It makes known the great gap between us and God and the distance that sin has put in the relationship. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, how I can just be going about my business and, and I run into someone or I have a thought of someone where there's maybe been some brokenness in the relationship and I'm just filled with fear filled with anxiety. 
You see, the glory of God shows us just how far you and I have come short of who we were made to be. But that's not how it was supposed to be. That's not how it was supposed to be. You see, there was a time when the people of God could look on the glory of God with joy instead of fear. There was a time when Adam and Eve enjoyed God and they, they loved walking with him in the garden. That's how it was made and that's how the glory of God was intended to be. But since Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, fear has entered the world. You see, instead of enjoying God's presence, they found themselves hiding from God. Instead of enjoying communion with one another, they found themselves blaming one another. Instead of enjoying work, they found themselves frustrated by work. When Adam and Eve sinned, the world was broken, and that brokenness overflowed into every aspect of their life. And that is the day that peace left the world and fear entered in. And ever since that day, every person born into this world has been plagued with fear. Fear of rejection, fear of being alone, fear of not being in control, fear of death, fear of judgment, fear of the future. And these shepherds encounter the glory of God that they felt exposed and afraid. Because of sin, we feel terrified where we ought to feel most loved. We feel fear where we ought to feel most welcomed. But listen to what the angel says to them in verse 10. The angel says, fear not. And so if someone says, fear not, then the next thing out of their mouth is going to be what? A solution. And so what is the solution that the angel says? Well, it is good news. Good news of great joy for all people. What is news? News is a report of something that's been accomplished or of something that's in progress. You see that the gospel is the good news of something God has accomplished in his son, Christ Jesus. Fear not. Why? <laughs> because God is making us at home again of God. So it begs the question, what is it, right? What is it about a baby that could ever alleviate fear in the presence of the glory of God? And the answer to that question can be found in the following verses. It can be found in how this angel describes this baby, continuing in the text. Look at verse 11, for unto you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, the reason this baby can take away our fears is because this baby is a Savior. I mean, think with me for a minute. That what's the greatest source of our fears? Right? We're afraid of failure. We're, we're afraid of being known because of the guilt and the shame that we carry. We're afraid of death because we don't know what or how it's going to happen. We're afraid of standing before a holy God and realizing that we're not good enough. You don't have to live long to realize that we are desperate for a Savior. We're desperate for a Savior who can forgive our failures and make us new. 
We're desperate for a Savior who can remind us that we are brought in and accepted in Him. We are desperate for a Savior who can heal all the wounds that sin has caused. We need a Savior. You see, your fears are meant to remind you that you need a Savior. Your fears are intended to remind you and me that we need a Savior. There's a solution, and and, and all the temporary solutions our culture raises are, they're inadequate, aren't they? They're inadequate to be that Savior. Money can't save you. Good health can't save you. Being great can't save you. Nothing is enough to take away our fears and to save us. So what is it about this baby that allows him to be a savior? I mean, how can he save when everything else just comes up short? 1 Timothy 15 says this, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Remember how death came into this world? It came into this world through through sin. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus, Jesus has come to save us from our greatest problem. Sin is what makes death so frightening. Sin is what we're always trying to, to cover up. Sin is what we're afraid people are going to see. Sin is what leads to our guilt and our shame. Sin is what breaks our relationships, and it leaves us feeling alone. But praise be to God that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. I mean, how could it be? How how could this baby save the world from sin? Well, the reason this baby could save the world from sin is that this is not an ordinary baby. This baby is a Savior, but he's also Christ the Lord. He's Christ the Lord. He's the Lord. This, this baby is God in the flesh, right? To call someone Lord, is, it's a term of respect. It's a term of, of esteem. To say that this child is Lord is to say that he is God, that he's the Christ, the text says. That this baby, as we just sang about here a few minutes ago, will come, will come, Emmanuel. This baby is the long-awaited Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the promised child. He is the one God had been telling his people about for years and years and years. This baby was sent from heaven to earth. This baby being the only one who would ever be born for the sole purpose of dying. And he was sent to live the life that you and I were supposed to live. And he died the death that we should have died at the cross. And there on the cross, he he bears all of our sin and all the fears we could ever have, and he alleviates all our fears. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says that he knew no sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, through Jesus' death on the cross, he conquers our fear of death forever. He is Savior, he is Christ, he is the Lord. 
Jesus died to be our Savior. He rose again to prove himself our Lord. And in doing this, he demonstrated that he was, in fact, the Christ. That he was the promised one, ensuring that you and that I can, in fact, trust God's promises. And now he comes to us. He comes to us this morning in the same way that he came to the shepherds. He comes to us with an invitation. Hear again what the angel says to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for who? For all the people. For all the people. You see, the message of the angels is for you and it's for me. The good news of Jesus is for all people. It's available to you this very morning. The good news of Jesus is you don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to fear failure anymore. You don't have to fear rejection or loneliness. There is one who knows everything about you, and he still loves you. One who knows every one of your sins. And he bore them in his body at the cross so you didn't have to bear them. This good news is for all people. All people. The message of the angels is for all people. It's for you this morning. It's for me. It may not surprise you that shepherding has been, has never been an esteemed position. I've never, growing up, I'm not sure many of you were like, oh man, I grew up, I just want to be a shepherd, right? It's not an esteemed position. No, no one has ever said, hey, let's go get someone real important. Quick, let's go, let's go get, let's go get a group of shepherds, right? And during this time, shepherds didn't exactly have a great reputation. Some accounts said that they were not allowed to testify in court. Right? The shepherds in society, they, they were the rejects. They, they were the lowest rung on the ladder. The text doesn't say in the same region there were kings or there were emperors from around the world. No, why? Why does God do it this way? I mean, the, re the, the reason in which the Son of God was born, it, it was the sticks. It was the backwoods. That's what we would call it, it's the country. And it's to the poor and to the outcast that God delivers the greatest news the world has ever known. It's for all people. God meets the shepherds where they are and actually entrusts them to be the first evangelists. Which leads us to our second point, number two, fear not, for you have a glorious purpose. Fear not, for you have a glorious purpose. If we were to poll the room this morning, I'm sure we would hear this common theme that everyone wants something to live for. Right? Everyone wants something to live for. Jesus came so that we might have the forgiveness of sin, yes, but he also came and he gave us a glorious purpose to live for. You see, after all the shepherds experience, notice how they respond. Skipping toward the end, their response is twofold. First, verse 20, the shepherds returned, what? Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen. The shepherds returned, but when they returned, they were not the same shepherds. 
They weren't the same shepherds. They were filled with praise. The surest sign that we have come to know God is this, it's this sense of glory and praise that cannot help but worship him. You see, a deeply grateful heart is a powerful force in this world. It is. A deeply grateful heart is a heart that recognizes it needs nothing from this world because it knows Jesus as its greatest treasure. You see, anxiety and fear fade in the fellowship of God. Anxiety and fear fade in the fellowship of God. If I'm honest, that's one of the reasons I'm so thankful for the corporate worship gathering that we have together on Sunday morning. It's always amazing to me how, how both singing and looking around the room and watching and hearing your voices sing together can just, just lift my gaze toward Christ. Like, I'm deeply thankful for that. I really am. And that's not to say that we don't bring our fears and our anxieties in here on a Sunday morning. No, 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 that, that's false. God's invitation is clear that we are welcome to bring those here and that we can lay those at his feet. But when my heart is glorifying and it's praising God for who he is and what he's done, the thing is true that the things of this world just, they seem to fade. You see, these shepherds, they saw the glory of God and the world just lost its charm. The world lost its charm. Their response was glorifying and praising God. It was worship. And when we, when we make Jesus our greatest treasure, we have something to live for. Through the sending of his son, God has given us a glorious purpose to glorify him and to praise him, to worship him. But also the second response we see here from the shepherds is to go and make him known. To go and make him known. I read a story this past week, the story's a couple years old, and I read this story of a Jewish survivor of Auschwitz, and it, it was fascinating. The, the survivor, the story was being marched out of Auschwitz with a company of other prisoners under SS guards, and when he saw an opportunity of escape, he took it, and he ran, and as he ran, he ran straight into a company of American soldiers. It was the 101st Airborne. The story was fascinating, but the most amazing thing was that the soldiers, they, they welcomed him in, and they, they gave him a uniform, and they gave him a gun, and they showed him how to use it, and in this survivor's words, he, quote, became 110% American, and throughout the end of the war, the remainder of the war, he fought with the 101st Airborne. The article said this, by the end of the war, they made it to Hitler's mountain retreat. Here, they helped themselves to Hitler's wine and myriad treasures. How incredible is that? What a great picture of what Jesus came to do for you. That everyone who runs to Jesus runs to the winning side. And all who hide themselves in the company of Christ get their life back. 
We're not defined by the former captivity and the Auschwitz of this world. We are soldiers in the army of Christ, and we have a role to play. Look back at the text with me. How much time elapsed between the shepherds seeing of Jesus and acknowledging him as Savior and their declaration of Jesus to the world? How much time elapsed? None at all. Verse 17, and when they saw it, immediately they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered. Look with me this morning. When you come to Jesus, here's what you can expect. He is not going to define you by your former captivity. He is going to breathe new life into you. He's going to give you a place in his kingdom, and before long, you will find yourself sitting victoriously on the field of battle, having helped point people just like you to find hope and to find refuge in Christ. That what right now are your very weaknesses will become strengths in the hands of Jesus. Your life can matter forever. And we live, Christians, we live now for the expansion of the only kingdom that will matter a million years from now. And you can be a part of it. We read it as our call to worship at the very beginning of our time together this morning. Isaiah 9, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. See, the text tells us at the very beginning of it that these shepherds were in the same region. They were in the same region. Scholars tell us that they were maybe a mile or so away from the birth of Christ. So as we just enter into the story this morning, do it with me. Can, can you just imagine these shepherds like taking off and running? They're, they're, they've left their flock behind maybe. They're jumping over fences. They're coming to the place where the Savior lay wide-eyed. They're out of breath. They're, they're looking around the stalls and quickly finding the new mother and her baby among the animals. And immediately, immediately, they begin to announce the good news. They're, they're telling everyone, anyone who would listen about the angel and about this glorious news, this, this wonderful birth. And when they left, verse 20, they continued glorifying and praising God for all they experienced. Look here with me this morning. Listen. It, it's not enough to simply hear about Jesus. It's not enough to sort of sort of peek in the manger and say, oh, how sweet. Oh, what a, what a beautiful scene. It, it just makes me feel so good. You see, this gospel, this good news, it demands a response. It demands a response. And for some of us this morning, the response is to come to Jesus today. It's to come to Jesus today. The truth is, if Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times more, but if he were not born inside of you, you would be eternally lost. The Christ who was born into this world must be born in your heart. And so if that is you this morning, can I just plead with you for a second? Surrender your life 
to him and ask him to be your savior. For all of us, the responses we've seen in the text are twofold. One, it's to glorify and praise God. And we're going to get an opportunity to do that here in just one second as we sing. But for us this morning, it is to praise our heads off for the glory of God. Recognize that he deserves all the worship that you and I can give. For all of us, the response this morning is to go and to make known the greatest news the world has ever known. To go and to make him known. I'm going to call the band back up for a second. We're not done yet. We have been called to be a people who would see the news of Jesus, church, and not just keep it going. We have been called to be a people who would see the news of Jesus and not just keep it for ourselves, but to go and to spread that news, to offer people a place where their fears can be alleviated and where their sins can be forgiven. You see, the shepherds saw Jesus, and what they experienced was so overwhelming and so satisfying and so beautiful that they left there telling everyone they saw this good news. This world has enough bad news. Yes. But what this world needs is a people who can offer them real good news. Not trite news. Real news. Real news of a Savior. Real news of the Christ. Real news of the Lord who is able to break into the thickest darkness. News of a love that has conquered death. Cabarrus Church, look at me. Don't fear. This morning, fear not. Behold your God. See your God. that we have in and because of Christ. We're thankful that we have a Savior who's willing to see us in our sin and rescue us from it. Lord, would you help our hearts this morning to behold, to look at the glory of God and to stare at it in wonder and to not just stay there, Lord, and praise your great name and to go and make known the greatest news the world has ever known to everyone in this room. Praise you, King Jesus. Thank you for your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection. We sing to you now. In Christ's name we pray.